0: Welcome to The Drabblecast, episode 36. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your ghoul, Norm Sherman. Happy Halloween. Halloween Sure is a strange time of the year, isn't it? Something that started out forever ago as an old pagan tradition is today an opportunity to buy large gourds and ruin your kid's teeth and get drunk. But here at the Drabblecast, it's more than just Jolly Ranchers and cheap beer. Well, unless you're drinking Bloodweiser Today's spooky speculative drabble teaches us to keep our friends close, and our enemies closer. Well, that is, unless your enemy is a determined flesh-eating zombie. Okay, okay, god. It's by author Kevin Anderson, whose work has been published in various speculative fiction markets such as Death Grip, Exit Laughing, and Darkness Rising. Mm. He's also had stories featured on the weekly horror podcast, Pseudopod, and here on the Drabblecast. You may remember him from his story, Momentum, that we ran back in August as Drabblecast 23. So get ready, kiddies. It's time for Drabble. Outrunning the Bear by Kevin Anderson When the zombie apocalypse happened, it wasn't like those old Romero movies. They could run, really haul. Bullets, even headshots, just pissed them off. Why did Richard and I even bring guns? Our track team conditioning kept us ahead of them, but we hadn't any food. We got weaker, slower. They got closer, and I knew they'd catch me. Richard sprinted yards ahead as I felt zombies touch my collar. My first thought was to put a bullet in my head. Then, another idea. After shooting Richard's thigh, I never turned back. The only thing that followed was his screams. So much for survival of the fittest. Oh, for God's sakes. Well, I hope that little tale didn't ruin your appetite for fright, because the main course is coming right up. We bring you Pumpkin Seeds by Kevin Anderson. Kevin's household pretty much revolves around Halloween, so much that he married his wife on Halloween night in a New Orleans-style masquerade ball. Today, they celebrate seven years together. Kevin, we all wish you a very happy anniversary scary. Christ, give it a rest. Pumpkin Seeds by Kevin Anderson Halloween pumpkins decorated the Linden's front porch. Their soft glow illuminated Sheriff Kincaid, who tried to appear positive as he put a gentle hand on Mark Linden's shoulder. Having no family of his own, Kincaid could only imagine what Mark was going through. Is there anyone we can call? Kincaid asked, trying to hunker down a bit so that his thick six-foot frame didn't tower over Mark as much. Mark's eyes were shut, and Kincaid waited patiently for the man to speak. He knew Mark was an educated man, the kind that had been keeping up with current events. He would know that his wife wasn't dead. Not yet. The Daily Gazette had been very detailed, often more than Kincaid liked, about the M.O. of the Riverdale Snatcher. Mark's eyes opened. How long do we have till she's found? The time between abduction and the ritualistic discovery of the bodies, usually pinned up like a frog on a dissection slab, varied from two to five days. Away from the press, the FBI had shared with Kincaid that it depended on the amount of gratification the snatcher was deriving from the current victim. We're gonna find her. Long before, Kincaid said. I just, I just took the kids out to trick or treat. I'd only been gone a half hour. I can't believe, oh God, Carrie. Mark started sobbing into both hands. We'll find her. Kincaid tried to remember what church the Lindens attended. He knew it wasn't St. Andrews because that's where he went. Do you go to First Community? Mark nodded, his hands still blanketing his face. Would you like me to call Pastor Johanson? I'm sure he could. In the corner of his eye, Kincaid saw one of his deputies waving a hand at him from the sidewalk. Excuse me a minute, Mark. Mark brought his hands down, nodding. The sheriff turned and started down the gravel walkway, already feeling himself growing angry. Whatever reason Deputy Simon had for interrupting, Kincaid knew it would turn out to be either trivial or just plain stupid. Most of Kincaid's deputies were kids fresh out of high school and not one of them had enough confidence to handle anything on their own. To a veteran like Kincaid, a man with 15 years as a city cop and two tours of duty in the Marines, it was infuriating. Meeting the deputy in the middle of the lawn, Kincaid asked, What the hell is so goddamn important you need to interrupt me every ten seconds, Simon? Looking at his shoes, Simon seemed to be searching for words in the vicinity of his laces. You, you know how you told me to take pictures of the crime scene? Kincaid was hoping to get some shots before the FBI showed up and shut him out again. Yeah. Did you forget the camera? No, sir, I-, I brought it, the deputy said. But the thing is, I uh, I forgot to stop by Walgreens and get film. Kincaid shook his head, thinking back to the day he first laid eyes on Simon's resume. He didn't recall seeing any bullet points that said idiot or first-class moron. Why had he hired this guy? Had he been drinking that day? Kincaid narrowed his eyes. Oh, I have a camera in my trunk, so never mind that. Here's what I want you to do. Simon nodded, taking out a notepad. Kincaid sighed. Oh, take Mark inside to be with his kids. Then call Pastor Johansen. Tell him what's happened and ask him to come down. Then call Carrie Linden's sister. I think she's in Idlewood. I'm sure Mark would want her to be here. Times like these, a man needs the support of the Lord and his family. Simon stopped writing and then started reading aloud. Um. okay, take Mr. Linden inside, call Pastor Johansen and sister in Idlewood, got it. The deputy slapped his notebook shut and marched off towards the house. Kincaid rolled his eyes and turned toward the street. His squad car, parked at the curb, had a throwaway camera in the glove box, but he was hoping that he'd left his digital in the trunk. He grimaced as he remembered how full his trunk was, and he knew he'd have to dig for it. Stopping at the rear bumper of his car, Kincaid glanced back at the porch, making sure Simon was following instructions. Kincaid's orders seemed simple enough, but that had never stopped Simon from screwing them up before. Retrieving his car keys, Kincaid watched Simon escort Mark into the house. Simon shut the door, leaving the porch vacant save for three pumpkins, eyes glowing. Their orange gaze came from devilishly carved eyes, and their vigilant stare sent a chill up Kincaid's neck. He had never liked the gutted vegetables that people found hauntingly ornamental this time of year damn things gave him the willies he popped the trunk peering down it was like he remembered it full Jeez, it's probably all the way at the bottom he reached in lifting carrie linden's bound feet up off the spare tire and then tried to roll her further back she appeared to be still unconscious from the blow to the back of the head no sign of the camera Kincaid grabbed a fistful of her hair and was just about to lift her head when her eyes popped open. She immediately tried to scream through her gag, a sock shoved so far down her throat that only the torn fringes of the toe section dangled outside her bleeding lips. Kincaid leaned in, putting his face inches from hers. Don't even think about it or I'll pull that tongue right out of your pretty little head. Carrie Linden blinked, sinking back into the trunk. That's better, Kincaid said. Besides, there will be plenty of time for screaming later. He released her hair, shutting the trunk fast. He shook his head and glanced back over to Linden's porch, preparing to meet the watchful leer of the glowing pumpkins. But there were two sets of eyes staring back at him that he hadn't prepared himself for. Mark and Deputy Simon's astonished, wide-eyed expressions glowed almost as much as the pumpkins. Kincaid sighed and thought to himself, Gee, Simon, you're such a screw-up. The instructions were simple. Take Mark inside, call Johansen, call the sister. What the hell were they doing on the porch? The deputy went for his gun, but seemed to be having trouble releasing the holster strap. Kincaid smiled. He knew that hiring deputies that made Barney Fife look competent would prove beneficial at some point. He cocked his head and swiftly pulled his revolver, leveling its barrel at the deputy. Before Simon had even gotten his pistol out, Kincaid fired. The deputy was hit square in the chest, blowing him back against the house. As Simon slid down the wall, he finally managed to unholster his weapon but the gun fell dead in his lap the moment his butt hit the porch. Kincaid turned the revolver on Mark, but the frightened man was already diving out of the way. Kincaid fired twice, trying to hit Mark in the air, but sent bullets through the living room window instead. Mark landed out of sight, toppling a few uncarved pumpkins off the porch banister. Screams were coming from inside the house. The kids, Kincaid thought. Jeez, he wasn't in the mood to have to kill kids. Neighborhood dogs were barking, porch lights were coming on, and Kincaid heard the squeaking sound of a screen door opening up across the street behind him. Damn, he sighed, lowering his weapon. Time to move on. This town was about tapped out anyway. Kincaid stepped around to the driver's side of his squad car and reached for the door handle. Just before he opened the door, He saw a fast-moving glint of orange reflecting in the car window. He turned just in time to get his hands up before the pumpkin hit him in the face. The blow was strong enough to push him back against the car, his head cracking against the sirens on the roof. He slid down onto the grass, wiping pumpkin guts from his eyes. The juices stung and he felt pumpkin seeds sliding down his cheeks like unwanted tears. His fingers grazed his nose, and he realized, with a painful wince, it was broken. Kincaid supposed he should be angry, but he wasn't. He looked up at Mark, who he assumed had just heaved a pumpkin at him, and saw the terrified husband fumbling around Simon's body. Kincaid just had to smile. Nice throw, big guy. Through pumpkin innards on the ground, Kincaid scanned for his gun. It had fallen into the gutter hammer still back. His fingers found the handle as he watched Mark coming down the stairs, holding something out in front of him. Kincaid's eyes came into focus with a suddenness that made him blink. He brought his revolver up. When the sight was leveled at Mark's chest, Kincaid realized that Mark had Simon's gun. Mark was coming across the lawn, pointing it and searching for the safety. Kincaid chuckled. (laughs) That's the spirit. Fight for it. Then Kincaid pulled the trigger. But nothing happened. He pulled again, nothing. What the hell? Bringing the revolver to his face, he couldn't believe his eyes. Pumpkin seeds wedged in like a doorstop were keeping the hammer from falling. Jeez. He pushed the seeds out with his thumb, then brought the revolver up again fast, a pistol shot sounded, and muzzle flash grew bright in front of Kincaid's eyes. He felt the first shot hit his chest like a baseball bat to the ribs. The second and third caused his body to vibrate so violently, he left the grass for an instant. When the muzzle flashes had stopped, Kincaid could see Mark's silhouette in front of him. Simon's pistol was still pointed at his chest, and Mark, shaking like a child, kept pulling the trigger. Good job, cowboy, Kincaid said, choking up blood. He brought his hand in front of his face, knowing that he was dying. Pumpkin juice dripped down his fingers, mixing with splatters of blood. The two substances created an entirely alien color that contrasted eerily with the bone-tinted coating of the pumpkin seeds. Kincaid convulsed and pulled in a last breath as his dying eyes glanced up at the Linden's porch. Maybe it was his fading consciousness causing his mind to hallucinate, but he could swear that the remaining pumpkins were grinning at him. Twisted grins with glowing malevolence. Then, just before he died, Kincaid remembered. He hadn't actually seen Mark throw that pumpkin. What's a good Halloween story without copious amounts of blood and gourd? (laughs) Well that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No-Derivatives License, which means uh, you can't sell it or change it, but you can share it and scare your friends all you like. Comment on our website at www.drabblecast.org. Or even better, join our brand new discussion forums. If for some strange reason you enjoy this podcast, consider donating via the PayPal link on our website so that we can pay our authors. Also, special thanks to Adam Carvin for the supernaturally sweet photo of the facehugger pumpkin he carved this year. Nothing says happy Halloween like a face hugger wrapping around your face, implanting Demon Spawn in your chest. Our staff is made up of co editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you, Jehovah's Witnesses out there, to get off your asses and get out there tonight. It's not every day you get free candy before having the door slammed on you. <laughs>